Psalm chapter 18, verse 1 to the overseer by a servant of Jehovah, by David, who hath spoken to Jehovah the words of this song in the day Jehovah delivered him from the hand of all his enemies and from the hand of Saul. And he saith, I love thee, O Jehovah, my strength. On the very day that David was saved from Saul's wrath, this is when he wrote and sang this song. I believe this would have to be after he learned that Saul had died in Saul's last battle, because until that time Saul was always hunting David. David also sang a lamentation for Saul and for Saul's sons, especially Jonathan, who was a very loyal and beloved friend of David. But although he was sorry for Saul's demise, at the same time he had to rejoice because the Lord had vindicated him and delivered him from Saul's wrath. 2. Jehovah is my rock, and my bulwark, and my deliverer. My God is my rock. I trust in him, my shield, and a horn of my salvation, my high tower. The Lord is everything to us, and saying that he's a horn of salvation means that he is the strength of salvation. And David says that he loves the Lord and he trusts him. And this is really crucial to faith. We have to trust God. The reason a lot of people sin and the reason a lot of people have so much trouble in their lives is because deep down inside, they don't really trust the Lord. They try to live life on their own and take care of themselves and get their own needs met. If we would simply learn to trust the Lord and depend on him for everything, then we wouldn't act out so much and get into so much trouble. 3. The Praised One, I call Jehovah, and from my enemies I am saved. Nobody has ever gotten more praise than the Lord God Almighty, and he will continue getting praise for all of eternity. He saves us from our enemies, and the enemies of you and I are Satan and all of his demons. 6. Compassed me have cords of death, and streams of the worthless make me afraid. Cords of death would be like ropes that are coming around David to strangle him or hang him or kill him. This is metaphor, which means it's not a literal thing that David was saying that somebody tried to hang him. It's a metaphor saying that people were out to kill him, which was true. And when it says the worthless, in the Old Testament, sons of worthlessness are always sinners who are belligerent in their sin and refuse to repent. The Lord wants us saved and he wants us in heaven, but our lifestyle isn't of any worth unless we're following the Lord. In modern teaching, they don't want anybody's feelings to be hurt, so they always try to tell everybody how great they are. But I like the honesty of the Old Testament that shows us that no, our lives are worth nothing without the Lord. Five cords of Sheol have surrounded me, and that means ropes of death. Before me have been snares of death. That's like a trap. Satan caused Saul to try to kill King David because King David was the promised king, and he was the one who was obeying the Lord. 6. In mine adversity I call Jehovah, and unto my God I cry. He heareth from his temple my voice, and my cry before him cometh into his ears. David is talking about the Lord's temple in heaven, because when David was king there was no temple. The temple on earth didn't exist until 
his son Solomon built it. And he's saying that the Lord can hear him in heaven when he cries out. 7. And shake and tremble doth the earth, and foundations of hills are troubled, and they shake because he hath wrath. Now there's many times in history where the anger of the Lord did cause the mountains and the hills to shake. One time was during the Great Flood. The Great Flood actually caused volcanoes and earthquakes while it was going on because of the tremendous amount of water covering the earth and passing over it and all the inundating waves that were going in and out from the oceans. That was a time of great shaking. And also when Jesus died on the cross, there was a huge earthquake that occurred. And there's other examples of earthquakes in the Old Testament. And in the end of days, when the Lord destroys this earth, there will be great earthquakes. And we're already having myriads of earthquakes now in preparation for the great and terrible day of the Lord. 8. Gone up hath smoke in his nostrils, and fire from his mouth consumeth. Coals have been kindled by it. Now this is just like what we read in the book of Job about the dragon that God created. It said that smoke comes out of its nostrils, and the dragon can start a fire with his breath. And that was a literal animal that really did breathe fire. And that animal became a metaphor for Satan. But here in this verse, that animal is used as a metaphor for the Lord's power as well. 9. And he inclineth the heavens and cometh down, and thick darkness is under his feet. There's another place in the Bible that says this very same thing, that when God comes down to us, he comes down on a cloud, and heaven bends down for him to be with us. And Emmanuel is a name of Jesus Christ, which means God with us. And God is with us. He came down in the form of the rock at Horeb, in the form of the manna from heaven, in the form of the pillar of fire by night and the pillar of smoke by day that led the Israelites. He has appeared in many forms. He also came in the whirlwind that spoke to Job, and he came in a whisper of a voice that spoke to Elijah. The Lord can come in any form that he wants, and that's what King David is talking about. 10. And he rideth on a cherub, and doth fly, and he flieth on wings of wind. The Lord can ride on the cherubs. In the book of Ezekiel, which we're going to read soon, Ezekiel had an open vision of the Lord coming on his portable throne. So evidently God has more than one throne, because this was a portable throne that had rings under it and cherubs all around it. He does travel by the wings of the cherub. A cherub is a type of angel that has wings and faces and eyes and different things all over it. Perhaps King David also had a vision of the Lord coming on his throne that was accompanied by cherubim. 11. He maketh darkness his secret place, round about him his tabernacle, darkness of waters, thick clouds of the skies. The Lord is somewhere out there in space, but I think he is outside of space because space is part of his creation. However, space is darkness, and in multiple places in the Bible it says that the Lord resides in darkness, although he himself is light. And in multiple parts of the Bible it says that space is full of water, as this verse seems to state. He lives in water, and that's his choice. We don't know why. And the earth, according to the Bible, is placed inside water. 12. From the brightness over against him, his thick clouds have passed on, hail and coals of fire. 
Everything that David is saying about the Lord in this chapter is literally true. Some of it can also be read as metaphor at the same time. And he is saying that there are thick clouds around the Lord, there is brightness, and he uses hail and fire. He sent hail that had fire brimstone inside of it down on the Egyptians. He also sent it down on Sodom and Gomorrah, and he will send it down again on earth in the last days during the Great Tribulation. So he does use hail and fire and brimstone to reveal his power and his majesty. And he uses brightness, which is lightning and thick clouds. This also seems to be talking about thunder clouds. 13. And thunder in the heavens doth Jehovah, and the Most High giveth forth his voice, hail and coals of fire. When God speaks, hail that has coals of fire inside of it comes down, and his voice thunders. 14. And he sendeth his arrows and scattereth them, and much lightning, and crusheth them. His arrows could be the lightning itself, but he also has spiritual arrows that he uses to fight demons. 15. And seen are the streams of water, and revealed are foundations of the earth. From thy rebuke, O Jehovah, from the breath of the spirit of thine anger. This verse sounds like it's talking about the great flood. You know, a lot of times when people praise the Lord, they mention all of his wondrous works, and it sounds like that's what King David is doing. He's mentioning the great flood without actually stating it, and he's mentioning when fire and brimstone came down on Sodom and Gomorrah and Egypt. 16. He sendeth from above, he taketh, he draweth me out of many waters. Many waters represents many people, and it can also represent many nations. The Israelites were drawn out from many nations, and Moses was also drawn out of the water and saved when he was in the Nile River as a baby. In literature, we call an allusion a reference to something else. So these are all allusions that reference to other miracles in the Bible. 17. He delivereth me from my strong enemy, and from those hating me, for they have been stronger than I. Demons have supernatural strength that you and I don't have right now. In that sense, from a supernatural perspective, they are stronger than us. But the Lord is stronger than them, and he controls them, and the Lord will deliver us from our demonic enemies. All we have to do is call on his name. 18. They go before me in a day of my calamity, and Jehovah is for a support to me. The demons confront us on a terrible day, and they attack us, but Jehovah the Lord supports us. 19. And he bringeth me forth to a large place. He draweth me out, because he delighted in me. He pulls us out of the muck and the mire, and he puts us in a safe place that's broad, where we're not in danger. The broad place is where the criminals don't easily lurk. So he's saying he pulls us out of the places where demons can lurk and try to plot against us, spiritually speaking. 20. Jehovah doth recompense me according to my righteousness, according to the cleanness of my hands, he doth return to me. We don't have any righteousness in and of ourselves. The only righteousness we can have is Jesus Christ alive in us. That's why he gets all the credit. But when Jesus is alive in us, then the Lord will support us spiritually. That doesn't mean that our lives will be easy. It just means that the Lord will always be on our side, helping us to resist sin 
and helping us to keep the faith, even in the face of adversity. 21. For I have kept the ways of Jehovah, and have not done wickedly against my God. King David says, I have obeyed your commands. I didn't attack Saul when I could have. I respected that you anointed him king. 22. For all his judgments are before me, and his statutes I turn not from me. 23. And I am perfect with him, and I keep myself from mine iniquity. I keep myself from sinning. He can only do this by faith. We can't keep ourselves from sinning by willpower, but we use faith to resist sin. And he says he is perfect, and in the New Testament, Jesus commanded us to be perfect as God is perfect. That doesn't mean that we never did anything wrong, but when he commanded us to be perfect, he said, you have to forgive your enemies, and that will make you perfect as your Father is perfect. Father God does forgive people when they repent, but you and I are called to forgive people even when they don't repent because we're equals to other people. So we don't have any right to deny them forgiveness even if they haven't repented. However, God, because he created them, he won't forgive them unless they repent. But you and I must forgive them immediately so that we can be perfect. And that's what perfection is. So it's a spiritual type of perfection. It doesn't mean that I never did anything wrong, but it means that I am obeying God's laws. 24. And Jehovah doth return to me according to my righteousness, according to the cleanness of my hands, over against his eyes. This is a repeat of one of the previous verses. However, it is a song, and we would expect a repeat. So this could be a chorus line that gets repeated in the song. And it says, over against his eyes, which means the Lord is watching King David. 25. With the kind, thou showest thyself kind. With a perfect man, thou showest thyself perfect. And again, perfection means forgiveness. He says, if I am kind to others, you are kind to me. If I forgive others, you forgive me. 26. With the pure thou showest thyself pure, and with the perverse showest thyself a wrestler. King David says, you have pure love toward the pure in heart, but those who are perverse, you are at battle with them. 27. For thou a poor people savest and the eyes of the high causes to fall. You save poor people, and you bring down the arrogant, powerful people. 28. For thou, thou lightest my lamp, Jehovah my God, enlighteneth my darkness. He says, you are a light to me, and of course God is, because God is light. There's no light in our lives unless God puts it there, and I'm talking about spiritual light. 29. For by thee I run, a troop, and by my God I leap a wall. So we can do all things through Jesus Christ. We can leap a wall if we have to. We can run like an army runs. We can run into battle against those demons and resist sin and keep the faith and pray mightily for other people and tell the gospel. Nothing scares Satan more than when we obey the Lord and share the gospel with others. That is Satan's worst nightmare because it means that people will be kept from hell. 30. God, perfect is his way. The saying of Jehovah is tried, a shield is he to all those trusting in him. Even the Lord's own faithfulness has been found tried and true. When Satan convinces us that God doesn't care, then we act out and we sin, and then Due to the consequences of our own sin, Satan convinces us even more that God doesn't care. But that's just the consequences of our sin. 
If we believe and trust in the Lord, he will deliver us over and over and over. There were many times when I was a child that I could have been saved from a lot more than what the Lord saved me from if I had just trusted him. But I didn't think he cared, so I never asked him to save me on many occasions when I could have and I would have been delivered. So I actually ended up suffering more because I didn't trust the Lord. 31. For who is God besides Jehovah, and who is a rock save our God? There's only one God. 32. God, who is girding me with strength, and he maketh perfect my way. He keeps us, and I pray this all the time, Lord, keep me. He keeps us in the faith, he keeps us obeying, and we can ask for that strength on a daily and an hourly basis. Keep me in your way, keep me on your path. 33. Making my feet like hinds, and on my high places causeth me to stand. This is a song of deliverance, and this can be prayed or sang as a prayer of deliverance, where you believe that the Lord will deliver you from all demonic oppression, and he will make you stand on your hind feet, just like a stag in the forest reared up on its hind feet with its front feet ready to fight. That's what this verse is talking about. We can stand in triumph on our hind feet, ready to fight. 34. Teaching my hands for battle, and a bow of brass was brought down by my arms. The Lord teaches us to fight, and this is spiritual fighting. It isn't fighting people. This is fighting against the real enemy. Sometimes I even pray that not only will the demons be scattered from my own dwelling, but they'll be scattered from all my neighbors' dwellings. And I pray that all the demonic voices will stop that my neighbors are hearing, and that they'll be able to hear the voice of the Lord clearly. And I can pray that he will appear to people. We're fighters in the kingdom of God. We're not passive. 35. And thou givest to me the shield of thy salvation, and thy right hand doth support me, and thy lowliness maketh me great. We have the shield of Jesus Christ. Jesus is the right hand of God who supports us spiritually. It says the lowliness of God makes us great. Jesus humbled himself. He left his own throne to come to earth humbly and live and die for us. And so his humility lifts us up unto salvation. 36. Thou enlargest my step under me, and mine ankles have not slidden. This is a beautiful metaphor. It means that when we put our foot down in faith, he'll actually make that step wider so that we don't fall. He'll prevent us from sliding off that step and falling. When you say, Lord, cause me to resist this temptation, change my mind, change my heart. Lord, I'm going to throw away that thing that I'm addicted to in faith, believing fully that you'll liberate me from it. And when we really believe, we get what we ask for. 37. I pursue mine enemies and overtake them and turn back not till they are consumed. David says that when he fights, he continues going forward, attacking the enemy until he's completely won the battle. He doesn't give up prematurely. We shouldn't either. When we're fighting against powers of darkness, we should not give up prematurely. 38. I smite them, and they are not able to rise. They fall under my feet. And that's what happens when we pray. Those demons fall under Jesus' feet. 39. And thou girdest me with strength for battle, causest my withstanders to bow under me. 
it's the Lord who enables us to fight the fight. He gives us all of the spiritual armor that we need, which is faith, truth, the gospel. 40. As to mine enemies, thou hast given to me the neck. As to those hating me, I cut them off. Meaning he puts them to death when he's in battle. The Lord gives David the neck. That means that he can put his foot on their neck and cut their head off. So he fully defeats his enemies. When we pray and cast a demon out, we don't expect it to come back because of the blood of Jesus. 41. They cry, and there is no Savior on Jehovah, and he doth not answer them. If the enemy is not obeying the Lord, which demons never are, he isn't going to listen to them. He will answer the prayer of those who obey him. 42. And I beat them as dust before wind, as mire of the streets I empty them out. David and all of the Israelites were commanded to wipe out all of the pagans from the land of Israel, just as you and I are commanded to wipe out all sin from our lives. We have to repent of everything. We don't pick which sin we want to keep and then throw out the rest. We get rid of all of them. 43. Thou dost deliver me from the strivings of the people. Thou placest me for a head of nations, a people I have not known do serve me. David is alluding to when the Israelites complained against Moses, and the Lord delivered Moses from their complaints. Was the king of Israel, but these other nations that were around Israel during David's time were submissive to Israel because David was causing the people to obey the commandments of the Lord. Now this is also prophetic about Jesus because all nations will be subdued fully under Jesus Christ during the thousand-year millennial reign that is to come. 44. At the hearing of the ear they hearkened to me, sons of a stranger, feign obedience to me. To feign means to pretend or to fake. He says even strange pagans, foreigners, pretend that they honor me because they're afraid not to. Even the pagans who didn't like David still had to listen to him. 45. Sons of a stranger fade away and are slain out of their close places. That means that foreigners are afraid of the Israelites, and when they come out of their hiding places, they're killed in battle. 46. Jehovah liveth, and blessed is my rock, and exalted is the God of my salvation. That's a repeat of what was said earlier in the song, so this is like the chorus coming back again. 47. God who is living vengeance to me, and he subdueth peoples under me. This is also prophetic about Jesus Christ. It's Jesus Christ who will bring about the ultimate wrath of God in the great tribulation. All nations will be subdued under him during the thousand-year millennial reign, which is after the tribulation. 48. My deliverer from mine enemies, above my withstanders, thou raisest me. From a man of violence dost deliver me. David says, You saved me from my enemies. You raise me up above anybody who comes against me, and you save me from any violence that would have been done to me. 49. Therefore I confess thee among nations, O Jehovah, and to thy name I sing praise. And David never stopped singing praises to the Lord, and neither should you and I. We need to give God credit for everything. 
If you're beautiful, don't take credit for it. The Lord made you beautiful. And if you're popular, don't take credit for it. The Lord made you a natural leader. We can't do anything without Him. And He can take our gifts away as fast as He gave them to us. We can lose it all in an instant. David was king, but he always held the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords rather than himself, because he knew that he was born a shepherd and he would have died a shepherd, except because of the Lord's will and the Lord's will alone. 50. Magnifying the salvation of his king and doing kindness to his anointed, to David and to his seed unto the age. The Lord anointed David as king and showed him kindness. And he will do that unto the age, which means forever. Through David's line came Jesus Christ, and through Jesus Christ we all have salvation. And King David and you and I can all be in heaven together for all of eternity if we follow the Lord. His anointed one is Jesus Christ. Now he anointed David to be king over Israel, but Jesus is the anointed one, as the Bible states, because he is king of kings and lord of lords over everybody. And that concludes Psalm chapter 18.